0: You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What would anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and his angels... And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for being in your house today, hearing all this good singing and enjoying your presence. Bless the words spoken now that they might speak for you into our lives as we follow you in Christ's name. Amen. I'm continuing the sermon series today, Strength for the Vision. We're talking about the second pillar of five. Last week it was worship. Today it is discipleship, the important pillar of discipleship upon which we are building the strength for our church. And as Pastor Mark read earlier in the service from Jesus walking around the Sea of Galilee, he comes to some fishermen, Peter and Andrew and James and John. He extends to them the invitation. He says to them, follow me. And they immediately drop their nets and they begin to follow Jesus. And we're going to be talking about discipleship. This is this idea of being a disciplined learner. That's what a disciple is—a disciplined lear- learner, someone who takes a makes a decision, follows and calculates the cost, and uh, learns and grows, and always is about the apprenticeship with Jesus. We become not only learners. And I love that Mitchell's testimony said we become doers of the word and know as we go into a world that is now sometimes post Christian, we are sometimes bearing a cross as we do God's work in our lives. But there, Jesus reminds us we find the true life that he has to offer us. We all come to the faith in different ways. So I look out among you, there are some of you that grew up in the church, some of you that were raised in the church, and you, you uh, came to vacation Bible school, and you came to Sunday school as a child, you maybe heard children's messages, and you uh, were there at your home, your parents reinforced the faith, they read to you Bible stories, uh, had bedtime prayer with you, had mealtime prayer with you, and so you grew up knowing about Christ, knowing about the church, and then you made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Christ when you were ready to make that decision, that could be some of you. There are others of you in this room that maybe made a decision as a teenager or as an adult. My decision for Christ came as a teenager. I confirmed my faith in Christ and uh, been following Jesus ever since. I had the privilege of baptizing in Baton Rouge, a man in his 80s, and it was a joy to see a man come to faith even at that stage of his life. So we acknowledge that God reaches people in different ways, but we are all. All responding to that invitation that says, come, follow me. Now, young Jewish children, speaking of Jesus' day, would have been taught from an early age, the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. This comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Deuteronomy is known as the constitution of the Jewish people. And the Shema would have been the Pledge of Allegiance. And the children that would grow up in Jewish homes, they would call out the Shema at at both when they woke up first thing in the morning, and then also before they would put their heads down at night, they would recite the great Shema. And I bring this up because I want to speak to that a little bit later in my service. And you be listening for that. But even in the doorposts of the Jewish home, there would be a mezuzah. It's funny, after the early service, a friend came up. He said, you know, when I went to a Jewish home one time, I kept pressing the mezuzah on their doorpost, seeing if it was the doorbell. But in the side, that little mezuzah on the doorpost is the little scroll of the great Shema of the Israel faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now in those Jewish homes, the children not only would have been trained in the Shema as soon as they were able to talk, but they would begin to one day, maybe the boys especially go to our bar mitzvah. They would begin to attend the synagogue and the Jewish community would be observing always who are the up and coming? Who are the ones that are understanding the the scriptures and, and who are the ones that we can pour the education into and one day make the request on behalf of our community that this young boy or this up and coming boy become a a student of a rabbi. And we would ask the rabbi for permission for this young boy to study underneath him, maybe with the hope that one day that child would become a rabbi themselves. That was probably the hope and dream of every young uh, family who was raising children, that their children or their sons would become rabbis for their community. I bring this up. Because the faith tradition has been so important, so important that we uh, train up the generation that's coming behind us, and we take this seriously. But the second reason I bring it up is this, because when Jesus started his ministry, as he went around the Sea of Galilee into those communities, he didn't go in to say to the religious leaders, tell me who are your up and comings. He didn't go to the synagogue and say, who is the bright young man that I can get to follow me? No. He went out to the fisherman. He went out to the, the businessman. He went out to, to a tax collector and he said, come and follow me. He also would find women that would follow Mary Magdalene after she was healed, would become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, and Joanna, and Susanna, all listed in the Scripture as following around. And if you've been participating in The Chosen, the, the study that is happening on Sunday evenings here at Marvin, you've seen the, these dramatizations of Jesus' life and ministry and those who followed Him. These ordinary people who are asked to follow Jesus... And as, as we talk about our discipleship path, we know that there are those that are exploring Christ, wanting to know whether they want to truly follow Christ. And the chosen class on Sunday evening would be a great opportunity for you to learn about this Jesus through these beautiful films that have been created. If we were to survey the room today, we'd look out and we'd see that all of us came to Christ in a very different way when it was our time. We have our own unique testimony But the most important thing is this, you said yes to Christ. You said yes to Christ. And when you said yes to following Christ, guess what? You said yes to following Christ. Did you hear that? You said yes to following Christ. Not now that you're an adult and you have reasonable thoughts of your own and you can pursue things and and decide, well, maybe I will pursue and listen to these thoughts of Jesus, but I have other thoughts about what Jesus said over here. I quoted the Hebrew scripture earlier, the Shema, for a reason, and that is this. Hear, O Israel, the, the Lord your God is one, is also this word Shema, and I'm embarrassed to say, I just learned this uh, after all these years of theological education, after all these years of uh, two degrees from theological schools. The word Shema does not only mean hear or listen, the word Shema also means obey. There is no Hebrew word for obey. So when they were calling out, here, O Israel, listen, O Israel, you were also saying, obey, O Israel. Now we all know that they didn't always get it right. They had the human condition of sin, just like we have the human condition of sin. But friends, when we say we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to know that we are following to obey the words and teachings of Christ. I always wondered about this this thing that Jesus would say when he was teaching parables, and he would say something like this, the one who has ears to hear, let him hear. Obviously, could say, well, we could be distracted and not really hear what Jesus is saying, but now with this explanation and his Hebrew background, what he was saying is, the one who has ears to hear, let him obey. Let him obey what I am saying, not just let it roll off and say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's that rabbi talking. I don't, that doesn't really apply to me. And if we declare that Jesus Christ is truly our Lord and our leader, if we truly say that he is the most important person in our life, that we want to have a Christ-centered life, that we want to orient our lives around him, then we need to be serious about obeying him. Now let's uh, take this example. This would resonate with some of our younger parents and those of us older in the room can remember the day. A parent tells a child something like, clean your room, feed the dog, please finish your homework. And what is the implication? The implication is that the child will do what the parent has asked them to do. And if we come upstairs or we come around the corner into their bedroom and they haven't done what we have have asked them to do, what will we say to them most likely? Didn't you hear me? Because we believe that if that child had heard us, they would have done what we asked them to do. And friends, that's the discipleship pathway that we are talking about. And I find it is no accident that Jesus would say, If anyone wants to come into my kingdom, they must be like a child, because a child has a childlike faith that that says, I will do what is asked of me by my parent. In this case, I will do what is asked by me, by my Savior. Our discipleship pathway moves from just inquiring to moving people into this relationship of growing in Christ, learning through Bible reading plans, Sunday school classes, Bible studies on Wednesday nights and other days of the week, retreats for men and women, life-to-life mentoring and cultivating a daily walk, a daily habit of Scripture reading, prayer, and of gratitude. Now, as a church, we took the survey about a year ago, and we said that about 50% of us are growing in Christ. And I want to encourage you at this next step chart and this discipleship uh, pathway booklet that uh, Dr. Donaldson has created and it's such a beautiful piece of work, but it's not beautiful if it sits around. It needs to be in our hands. You can also go online and find this and explore it. But on here, it says the next step chart, pages two and three, you can take another inventory if you missed last year or take a chance to do it again and see where you are because I have found I'm in a different place than I was last year I'll be here to admit to you, even though I thought I dealt with one wall in my life, I've got another spiritual wall that I've got to break through. We'll come back to this. Let's go back to the scripture lesson and give you a little bit more of the context. You know, we've talked about the fact that Peter is following Jesus and he's, he's been uh, set apart as a disciple who seems to be ahead of the class. He seems to be getting the moments. This is his star pupil moment, the, the scripture that precedes the one from the uh, scripture today. Jesus asked the disciples if they know who he is. And Peter says, what? Ask me. Uh, uh, let me answer. Let me answer. Pick me. Pick me, Jesus. Jesus says, who am I? He says, you are the Christ. You are the chosen one of God, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You have received this as a revelation from our father in heaven. You are the rock and upon this rock, I'm going to to build my kingdom. Good job, Peter. And I could just see Peter getting all proud. Don't you know? He's getting all proud that he, he got picked. He gave the right answer. He was acknowledged and affirmed by Jesus. But then if you move into the scripture from today, it says that immediately once Jesus knew that they knew who he was, he began to talk about what was going to happen. What was God's mission and God's plan for his ministry? He began to talk about suffering. He began to talk about being put to death by the religious leaders. He began to talk about dying and rising again. And in that moment, Peter says, "Uh, Jesus, could I have a word with you? And he kind of pulls him aside. And then in this moment, he rebukes the master. He rebukes Jesus with the words, never. That's not going to happen to you. And I just imagine, because it says right before Jesus' response, that Jesus must, in some sense, kind of body language, coiled away. That in a sense that when Peter began to speak words that were contradictory to God's will for Jesus' life, Jesus begins to coil back as if to say, that is not God's will for me, because it says he turned back to Peter and he rebuked Peter with the words, get behind me, Satan. Jesus saw that Satan had entered into him at this moment and through the words of a friend was trying to maybe distract Jesus from his ultimate mission. But Jesus turns back and says, get behind me, Satan. And friends, we see in this That the world, because the beautiful words that follow that are what we need to hear today. Not so much that Satan uh, is causing these things, but to hear that the world had gotten into Peter's head and he was distracted by the world. Jesus says, You do not have the mind and the concerns of God, but merely you have the human concern. And what is the human concern? What is it that keeps us from a good discipleship walk with God? What is the wall? What are some of the walls? Thoughts like protecting ourselves at all costs. I I want to avoid sacrifice. I want to do what makes me happy. I want to take what's entitled to me. I want to keep my life comfortable. And I want to avoid pain at all costs. And most importantly, I want to be successful at what I do. Those are the messages of the world And God is oftentimes working a greater kingdom purpose. And sometimes we have to step into some sacrificing and to carrying of the cross. Peter, though, has hit his wall and he can't imagine his Jesus dying. And in the brochure, The Next Steps, there are other questions that you could identify that might be a spiritual wall for you. Confusion about God and whether God loves you. Being stuck in a season of spiritual dryness. Experiencing things that can make you feel bitter or angry at God or others. The loss of the purpose of your life. And currently, we're offering classes on emotionally healthy Relationships. We've done emotionally healthy spirituality. We've talked about meeting up with pastors. We talk about covenant groups and uh, we have class meetings and bands that are coming online to help people get authentic with each other and begin to talk about how I can deal with the things that are keeping me from moving forward in my discipleship. That is the discipleship pathway that is emerging for us. But the main point is this Jesus is saying, get behind me. As if to say, Peter, it's time for me to tell you again, your role is to follow me, not to instruct me, not to tell me what to do or how to fulfill my ministry. Your role is to follow me And one commentator put it this way, the disciples in the story have been disciples for some time, called personally by Jesus, sent by him to preach and heal. They now learn the meaning of the cost and the sacrifice of discipleship, which cannot be explained in advance, but must be learned along the way. How many of us, when we just said yes to Jesus Christ, knew what it would mean for us? How many of us knew the the challenges we might face or some of the walls we might face uh, as we try our best to follow Christ faithfully? We learn them along the way, but we cannot recoil from them. We must work through them and press on towards a closer relationship with Christ and also a Christ-centered life. Not only did I not know when I became a Christian at age 15, what it would mean for me, I would tell you that at age 22, I had no idea what marriage would mean. I was enthusiastic, I loved Gina, I was all in, but it takes a lifetime to learn the deep love that we share with each other. And those of you married in this room would certainly understand that. That's the word that Jesus has for Peter. Get behind me, keep following me, and then he will give instructions about denying oneself, taking up a cross, Luke says daily, and follow me. And we know that taking up the cross I talked last week about the importance of a cross in our sanctuary, reminding us of a God who sacrifices. Who are we to think that we will not be called upon to sacrifice for the greater of his kingdom, especially as we enter enter into a time where this world becomes more antagonistic towards Christianity? Friends, we will take up our crosses, and we will have to deny ourselves if we are going to be faithful to following Christ. I want to close just with uh, sharing uh, uh, something from a book that I've been reading from Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor and an author. And this is uh, another example, similar to like Mitchell sharing his story today. I want you to hear this pastor's story. He said, my selfishness was that God, I believe that God existed for me rather than I for him. If he'd do what I thought he should, I would trust him more. If he'd come through for me, I'd give him more of my life. If He made my life better and pain-free, I'd believe in Him more passionately. But anytime time God didn't meet my expectations, we had a problem. God created me in His image, and I returned the favor, and I created God in my image. The kind of God I wanted to believe in is this. If He's not what I want, then He can't have my whole life. He goes on to say that, uh, though I believe God wanted my life to be different, I found comparing myself to others a lot easier than measuring my life against Christ's life. I preached that prayer was important and critical, but my prayer life was virtually non-existent. God's word said my treasure shouldn't be in this world, yet material things continued to grab my attention. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, but worry came as naturally to me as breathing. I just gave God parts of my life instead, and I took them back when I didn't get what I wanted. I called myself a Christian, but I lived like I was an atheist. The book is entitled Christian Atheist. An interesting challenge to each of us and I show you what he's kind of had this vision of clarity that came that there were three lines, line one, to believe in God and the gospel of Christ enough to benefit from it. And I think most people, when they come to Christ, they love the idea of being saved of their sin. They love the idea of having eternal life. And therefore they are ready to cross line one. That's the easy part. That's the free gift of salvation. Line two is to believe in God and Christ's gospel enough to contribute comfortably he says, I don't have to change too much, do I? I have to do what God asks, but as long as it doesn't hurt too much, I'll, give more, I'll get more serious about God because you know, we all have our limits. That's line two. And then line three was, I believe in God and Christ's gospel enough to give my whole life to it. Friends, this pastor came to a place where he realized he had to battle to cross that third line to truly be sold out to Jesus Christ to truly follow Christ as Christ had called him to follow. He said it took him two years to cross that line, so let's be patient with ourselves as we work on some of our walls. I sacrificed and I, a fear that I had lost, uh, that I had gained and picked up and since I was a child, and that is how I crossed the third line, because I realized that nothing in this world is more important to me than the treasure of Jesus Christ and the treasure of heaven. So the question he ends with, I really give to you. Are you a Christian atheist? Do you believe in God, but live as if God doesn't really exist? Stepping across the first line, that's an easy one. Coming to the second line and crossing that, well, we still still have what he calls human-centered Christianity. He challenges like Pastor Mark and our Discipleship Pathway does to keep moving, keep pressing on, Keep considering that third line that separates us from a holy, surrendered, spirit-filled, kingdom-driven life. Life as it is, or life as it could be. A life that denies ourselves in the words of Christ, or picks up our cross and follows Jesus, or in Craig's words, we should consider the cost, do whatever it takes, but make sure we step across that third line. And their friends will find what he calls true Christianity. I want to challenge you to join me in the struggle to keep pressing in, to hear that call afresh from God, to follow me. Follow me and to see where it takes us. And allow this church to help you by partnering with other people in classes to help you keep pressing in that we can all pick up our cross denying ourselves and follow him. God bless us on the journey. It'll be worthwhile because as Christ says, whoever loses their life for his sake truly finds it. Amen and amen.